Thanks for taking time to listen to this episode of The Real Rescue Podcast. Take a minute to go to therealrescue.com to check out these and other great deals from our sponsors here at The Real Rescue. This episode of The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider, Axness. Because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. Life Saving Systems Corporation. We do our work so you can do yours. Tough gear for tough jobs. And SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. Breeze Eastern. They dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG Wireless ICS System can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere, at any time, on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproofed handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's A-X-N-E-S dot com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. Life Saving Systems Corporation. They manufacture the world's toughest helicopter rescue gear. From my favorite harness as a rescueman, the Triton harness, to the rescue baskets, the litters, and of course, the most popular hook in all helicopters, the D-Lock. The team at LSE will cut bend, sew, weld, and machine these products into existence every day. We do our work so you can do yours. LSC, tough gear for tough jobs. Check them out today at lifesavingsystems.com and follow them on Instagram at rescuegear. That's at R-E-S-Q-G-E-A-R. And SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help with your helicopter training, a standardization and safety check, or maybe just an audit or an FAA refresher. They are here to bring your agency up to date with the most current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. The training staff is awesome. With the certified flight instructor pilots, experienced crew members, which I am happy to say that I am one of them, they offer training in rescue, medical, tactical, firefighting, ground operations, and night vision goggle use. SR3 is also partnered with Petzl to assist with personal protective equipment and the highly specific Lazard. SR3 also goes beyond the helicopter world as they provide high angle rescue training and tactical medicine training. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com or over on Instagram at sr3 underscore rescue. Up next, we have a friend of mine who I had the opportunity to fly with, swim with, and just hang out and have a good time with. He brings us stories from the Peruvian Navy, where he got started as a pilot, did a couple search and rescues there, which has brought him around the world. These stories were a blast to talk to with him, and I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. Please welcome my brother, Gonzalo Valderrama. My name is Jason Quinn. 
I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue. Today I've got a treat with me because this guy is coming to us from Peru. Well, actually, you're not in Peru right now. Where are you, Fonzie? Florida. 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 And, they, and they be Florida. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So, Mr. Fonzie, actual name is Gonzalo Valderrama. Is that correct? I said that that's right? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. yes. But I know him as Fonzie. So, my boy Fonzie. Uh, again, from Peru, flew with the Navy, the Peruvian Navy, a pilot. Ricky got some killer stories coming up for you. And uh, Fonzie, hey, wel- welcome to the podcast, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you uh, very much. Pre- what, I, what I should be saying is like, hola, compadre, como estas? <laughs> todo bien, Queenie, todo bien. <laughs> yeah, excelente. Honey enough, honey enough. Yeah, that, that's about as far as my Spanish goes, brother. Sorry. <laughs> No worries, no worries, man. Dude. I'll tell you what. <laughs> well, welcome again, Fonzie. Welcome to the show, man. Uh, give us a little background about you. Just so, how did you become a pilot? How did you come into the Peruvian Navy and then become a pilot? How did that all happen? Well, actually, it was a tradition, family tradition. My dad was a Navy officer. He retired as a rear admiral, and uh, you know, I was born in the Naval Hospital. Oh, so I grew, yeah. I, I grew up in a Navy environment. I went to the high school for Navy officer kids, and uh, and then I jumped to the Naval Academy. I spent five five years in the Naval Academy. After that, I graduated as ensign. So I served in the the Naval Task Forces for the first two years, actually in uh, anti-submarine destroyer. Nice. And, uh, I was part of the crew, and then uh, and uh, according with our Navy procedures, in your third year or second year as an ensign, when you serve the Naval Task Forces, you have to apply uh, uh, be a candidate to become uh, a qualified guy, like uh, for example, uh, Navy SEAL, uh, Naval Aviator, uh, submarines. Marine is part is one corp inside the Navy. It's not a separate, a separate corps like a U.S. Okay. You know, Marine Corps is separate yep. corps. No, the Marines are part of our Navy. So it's another qualification, serveware, uh, divers, and um, uh, Marine uh, marine engineers, Navy engineers, and uh, uh, electronic and communication, uh, uh, artillery, and uh, things like that. Yeah. So um, uh, submarines, of course. Yeah. So I uh, applied for the Navy uh, Naval Aviation for the flight school, and uh, I got my vacancy, and I was everything was perfect. So <laughs> I, I started flying. Uh, uh, I, I started my ground school in 1985, and then I jumped to the flight school in the Peruvian South Shore, flying T-34 C-1, same airplane as the Pensacola, um, same curriculum and same procedure as the Pensacola. After nice. my graduate, after my graduation, I choose. Uh, I want to be a helicopter, a helicopter pilot. You know, I want to be a combat pilot, and then uh, I select helicopters, uh, rotary wing, and uh, I become helicopter pilot. Booyah! And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. Did, did, were you uh, actually wait a minute? Were you flying uh, like combat? Is that is that where you got uh, into first? Uh, well, actually, I, I, I flew combat missions uh, because uh, to make the story very short, uh, I served in the Naval Task Forces since I was a uh, June lieutenant until uh, uh, lieutenant, about seven years uh, in the Naval Task Forces. And then uh, the conflict against China impact with uh, terrorist narco-traffic uh, started increasing uh, in the Peru was yep. a serious, serious problem that we have for a, a long 10 years. So uh, the, the um, army and the government considered that they have enough helicopters to cover the full operation between all the different regions uh, in Peru. Uh, Air Force, our army helicopters, uh, they have not enough uh, members and helicopters 
to support the operation against Chinese Path. I know you guys heard about that thing. Yeah. Uh, they decide they decide to get the Navy involved with the Marines, the Special Forces, and participate with the operation in the Peruvian jungle and the highlands and mountains as well. So from one minute to another minute, I was involved in that operation and I jumped from the Naval Task Forces offshore operational helicopter yeah. to the Russian helicopter to combat, <laughs> to combat you know, an operational mission over the jungle, which Jeez. I did. Which I did since 1992 until 1996, you know. Wow. So it was uh, totally different. I was prepared, you know, since I was at a naval academy. You know, yeah. Totally different scenarios. Which, so when uh, you were real quick, when, going back and forth. So you, as a Peruvian Navy officer, uh, flight officer, so flying helicopters, you could be deployed inland with the special forces guys, or be offshore. Yeah, you know, uh, once I, uh, the war started and I was involved with a mission operation over the jungle, supporting the army and the air force and uh, ground forces, I've stopped, I've stopped doing a naval operation. I was, oh, uh, gotcha. okay. full, I was uh, full dedicated, was a pilot dedicated to the jungle for the next, until my retirement. Wow. I, 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 actually, I didn't retire Navy. I left the Navy as a, my last year as a lieutenant commander, yes, nine months before to be promoted to commander. But uh, I left the Navy, I uh, decided to start a new life in, as a civilian pilot. And, uh, but uh, I oh, spent 14, cool. yeah, I spent 14 years in the Navy with seven years fighting the terrorists, the Chinese, wow. guy, you know. Well, yeah, all right. So then, before you got into that side, you were the Navy, the Peruvian Navy. Um, does search and rescue as well. Hence the reason you guys, you and I have been talking. So you actually had told me about four stories, three of them that were in the, while your Navy career was there. And then one, since you've been a, on the civilian side. Um, so I'm, I'm all about it. Cause I know your first one uh, in the fishing vessel. So if you don't mind, man, give us a rundown, give us a call out. Cause this, this is pretty cool. Well, the, the first one was, uh, I was uh, no rookie pilot that time, but you know, have some experience. And we're flying uh, in the Navy. We're flying TA fifty seven. We had uh, SH three D Sea Kings and also two twelve. So we went out for the the two twelve AV two twelve, the old one in the Italian version. And uh, you know, uh, the fishing boat was nearby, the very close to the shoreline. So we went out the lunches and almost in the middle of the night. So we hovering for about uh, for a little while. Uh, we could use the Doppler, which is out of hover in a one three nine aircraft yep. flying in Saudi Arabia. And uh, but you know what? You cannot use automatic stuff because you know the vessel is in motion. You have people in the water, and you know. Yeah. So uh, fortunately, the people was still on board. So, but uh, but the fishing boat was uh, sinking. So it was. Uh, Pretty much 45 minutes hovering, man. It was very stressed. And then, uh, but uh, it was assessed. We rescued three guys. And, uh, Hold three guys uh, off the ship or out of the water? Uh, out of the ship, actually. Holy ship, smoke. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah but, Hold you know, off the ship but, before it sinks? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but, <laughs> but remember, in, in that time, uh, in that time, we didn't have uh, MBG. You know, not have so MBGs, right? No MBG. Uh, oh. Actually, I learned, I learned flying MBG. Uh, just uh, not too long ago, just a few years ago, we, we have a, a, the opportunity to fly in a rank of company in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. But uh, so you, a, you hold on, wait a minute. I gotta get, I gotta back up. You are in the dark, like two o'clock in the morning, for a sinking vessel and not on night vision goggles in a two twelve. No, remember, <laughs> remember, I, I, remember, our navy, our navy, we, you know, it's a Peru is a third world country man we have sure. no logistic like a u.s you know yeah. remember uh, you you guys uh, you guys uh, have swimmers we don't use swimmers uh, since i left the navy in 1996 we have swimmers yet so but uh, we everything we had was a uh, hoist we have uh 
a couple of guys, uh, uh, one hoist operator as well, only one hoist operator. We didn't have uh, medical staff, so we have to carry not too many people, you know, so in order to have enough fuel to for the operation. And uh, our hurry were not too high, you know. Yeah. We we always try to follow the NATO procedure, which we adopt from the U.S. Navy. We can, we fly in pretty much NATO procedure, but you know what? Uh, uh, we have our very that's exactly what's in pitch black. We have a, the moonlight help us, you know. Yeah, but and, still, uh, it's freaking dark. <laughs> yeah, like, man. But, uh, but Fonzie, so you're holding a hover for like forty minutes trying to pick three guys off the boat. You don't, and you don't, you didn't send a guy down. How, what rescue device are you using to get them? Do you remember? Well, uh, uh, actually, uh, we were following the rad out all the time. Okay. Rad out. Yeah. Okay. And, and then, uh, to be honest to you, we share controls, you know, okay. with my, with my co-pilot, uh, and uh, actually, that that I, I have to give credit to my hoist operator. The guy, he did good, you know. So, like so, three guys off a, movie, a sinking ship, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, 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 we were lucky. We were lucky because uh, we were super close to the shoreline, you know. So yeah. the, because most of the, I think the fishing boat he was coming back from offshore, and uh, I think. Uh, well, I don't know what happened. It was an uh, old fishing boat. Uh, got a little crack. Yeah. And uh, I started sinking. And uh, But pretty much what's that, you know? It was See? too many years ago. I can't remember too many details. That's I, all right. Come on, Fonzie. I have to. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but you know what? What's my, like, uh, what's like a very, very hard experience because one of us on my first my very first rescue offshore rescue operation yeah. in my life and uh and uh man uh, i think it was good you know wow. and that in that in that you know in uh, you know we uh we learned flying since the fly school and uh, special conditions you know yeah. it, it remember uh our bodies you know our facility adopt very quick to the extreme conditions because in the Navy, at least in my time, we have simulators, you know, pretty much uh, we have, uh, we're a Navy officer, we a Navy crews, all of, most of us, we are good swimmers, you know, yeah. so uh, we have a good background, but no simulators, no good preparation because lack of logistics. We don't use C one thirties like uh, you guys do. Yeah, you know, for like most of your bases. So yes, we, exactly. Have backups, you know, like uh, in case you have to come back for uh, for uh, for fuel or whatever. Uh, you know, you have always one airplane on top of the spot. Yeah, to, to keep tracking the situation. You know, yeah. we have that. And, uh, so it's just you, know, you guys uh, out in the middle of dark. You guys, picking three I, guys I, up off a boat. <laughs> Yes, but you know what? Like I say, uh, nothing is easy. But uh, moonlight helps a lot, and also uh, very close to the shoreline. So, and then we have uh, some of the vessels coming in. It was a diving vessel for the U uh, for the Peruvian uh, diving center. They sent us to try to keep uh, the fishing boat floating. You know oh wow I mean? yeah yeah so when we rescued these three guys uh you know uh we went we flew back to the base and uh, i don't know what happened after that with the vessel but uh what? you know the, awesome. the guys uh, never went they went to the water you know so and uh well high five pretty much, picture pretty much <laughs> it yeah <laughs> pretty, selfie pretty, selfie with Fonzie. <laughs> that's pretty much it that's pretty much it the first one and uh and uh like i say in the Korean navy uh, so far they don't uh, use uh, swimmers which will be great to use swimmers because what i would say what would happen in that in that case if the guy went to the water it would be yeah. much impossible 
Right. You know, pay my time, you know. You know, I so, talk about it quite a bit, actually. Like having somebody that's trained that can go down on the hoist hook and control the the ground or water scene, it's a it's t- such a game changer. And it helps with crew coordination and everything else that you're trying to do. So I'm all about it. Totally all about it. Of course, I'm that guy. So, of course, I'm all about it. <laughs> I'm kind of... <laughs> I have, uh, yeah, yeah, I've invested yeah, yeah. in that side of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, I, I remember, you know, is uh, when you when you are in a, uh, I can't mention it because I have a, a Zoom meeting recently with the Peruvian Navy guys and uh, to uh, to talk about the 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 Guardian the Guardian movie the Guardian about, uh, the movie. Whoop, whoop. And uh, we saw, that movie. you know, we saw. Uh, we I participate as a helicopter pilot, you know, to to give them a feedback about my uh, my humble opinion about the movie. We have uh, we saw a nice. Hey, don't be don't be a, picking on my favorite movie, there, Fonzie. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> but but that, but that, I mentioned something because maybe it was some mistake, Hollywood mistake, because in the real in the real in the in the real time mistake that you can see in the very beginning of the movie will never happen because it's not like that. You know? Right, so, right. Uh, as our a, as a, as a aviator crews, we know some mistake we saw in the very yeah. beginning of the movie will, will never happen in reality. But anyway, well, I you know what, that's I like, a, but that's like, uh, what was the movie with The Rock, the San Andreas? Uh, you know, oh, okay. yeah. oh, I'm gonna put okay. auto hover on. I'm going oh, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Well, you went to the, gonna you went tip to the hat. We're gonna tip the hat. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey listen. If we if we talking about that, these scenarios about the rock. Yeah. Maybe maybe he can he can he he can he can hover his helicopter upside down. That's for right. Forty minutes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, it's all right. Anyway, outside of anyway, outside anyway, of like the Hollywood side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but anyways, the point about to, to to mention the movie is because uh you can see it's so hard to hurry over that small vessel, man. Right. It's not the reference. It's no reference, you know. And uh you cannot see even with the moonlight, the water is the you have no the you lose the deep deep perception. Right. So, but the ra- the out. And the radalt and your uh, hoist operator is it helps a lot. Yeah, you know, awesome. helps a lot with everything. You know, so uh, but like I say, you know, the I cannot. Uh, I don't have experience with swimmers. You know, swimmers according with that movie we, we mentioned it is uh, you, you need to hover in a low altitude in order to drop the swimmer and go back go go back up. In order to keep a, a altitude, safe altitude to avoid right. waves and obstacle counts there. But it was pretty much it about that the operation. And uh, like I say, we don't do it uh, so many, uh, too many uh, uh, search and rescue like uh, you, you guys do in, in the Coast Guard. But you still have your... a couple more here too, because you got launched out on a helicopter crash, uh, which you actually got turned around. So, but I mean, give us a rundown on that. I mean, because that was that was like some of your like basically friends or colleagues, workers that that had. Yeah, I, I, actually, with that helicopter crash, I, 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 they canceled my operation because uh, rough waters and uh, I was far. It was really far from the shoreline. It was very, very far. You know, probably fifty miles away from the shoreline, maybe more, maybe hundred. I can't remember. But uh, the accident was because uh, one crew in the 212 was doing a, a takeoff and landings in the frigate, in the Navy vessel. Yeah. And, uh, they made a serious mistake because, uh, you know, while you're doing that at nighttime, you, uh, you always have to avoid this is the most common mistakes uh, to use as a reference the vessel wake. Yeah, because you 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 follow the vessel wake for sure, you will be disoriented. You're gonna mm-hmm. you, you're gonna crash. So, so don't be don't you, be looking at the wake. Yeah, Keep your eye yeah on the exactly. Ship. So so what you have to do is this: flying pilot check your instruments, write out everything, and the other guy check the the lights, the vessel lights, uh, AOA lights, amber, green. On, uh, uh, and red 
to 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 make sure you're in the in the right path, approach path. Yeah. So and uh, and advice give advices to the flying pilot, but actually the flying pilot try to be on VFR, um, check the weight, the vessel weight, and they they lost control and crash. Uh, the consequence was fatal consequence. There were four people in the aircraft, pilot, co-pilot, and two observers. And uh, one of the guys was uh, a submarine officer and uh, he, he he died for, uh, I think it was hypothermia. And, uh, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, total bomber. And uh, anyways, by the end, uh, they sent a, a rescue vessel to yep. support people and they pick up the crew and the, the other three, they made them, and uh, but uh, pretty much we, I think they, I think, if I can remember, uh, the, the helicopter drowned, we lost the aircraft. Oh, geez. Dang. Yes. Oh, yeah, we lost the aircraft. Yeah. Yeah. So lost the aircraft and one guy perished. Man. Exactly. Yeah, tough. one guy perished. Yeah. One guy perished. And to be that, that far out, that, too, like, not yeah. being able to respond. Yeah, well, anyways, and, and this is how important it is uh, where you have people on board uh, for uh, operation in the Naval Task Forces, especially at night time. They have to be good, in good training, good shape, you know, because yeah. uh, the guy, Kirish, was, uh, I'm not sure he was a good swimmer. I met the guy, amazing guy, good uh, Navy officer. Uh, we participate together in different operations, uh, different briefings and debriefings, you know, in the Naval Task Forces. But the guy was totally out of shape. was a heavy, a big guy. So it's part of the problem, you know. You have a good training with people up on board. Man, you're a swimmer, man. Yeah. You're an experienced swimmer. You're a former Coast Guard guy. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. So uh, yeah. that's very, very, very important, you know. So Well, heck, uh, I've seen guys just in, like, Hewitt training, which is the helicopter helicopter underwater egress training. They freak. Like, as soon as they hit the water and start rolling over, uh, the guys lose their mind. They're just not – that's not their comfort zone. And that's okay. Not everybody is comfortable upside down strapped to a seatbelt. But – that training is super valuable for when you get in the real life scenario for a situation like this. If you come onto the back of a ship and all of a sudden you lose control of the aircraft, that sucker ends in the water. You're, you've got to kind of do something to egress. So, yeah. And, uh, and the other thing I would like to mention to you, uh, Jason, is uh, I don't know about, about now, today's. But in that time, uh, the crew we, we never uh, were uh, used uh, as a power equipment. The heat bottle. Oh yeah. But you know, but I have a cha- I have a very good chance, a great opportunity to share crews during the UNITAS operation with the U.S. Navy. Yeah. Flying CS, I was flying CS Prize with them, and all of them. I'm talking about 80s, 1988, 1990. They they're using the heat bottles all the time, like a power heat survival equipment. Yeah. But in our Navy, we didn't. We didn't, you know, which is not, wasn't very good at all, you know, because, right. uh, man, the heat bottle can save you, you know. Especially oh, yeah. you crash and you're upside down. Maybe in daytime, you can make it out. But right. nighttime, pitch black, you don't see nothing. You right. don't know where you're at. Right. So wait, wait, what, what are you going to do? Everything you do is put your bottle on. You yeah. will, so it, so the, the heat bottle is going to give you the time to figure it out. What are you going to do? Or oh, upside yeah. down, you know. Where's the surface? I'm going right. down. I'm going, you know what I mean? Yeah. So absolutely. that's, uh, but you know, unfortunately, it, uh, you know, along the aviation story, we learn for the fatalities, we learn for the, our horrible experience. Right. That's the reason, you know, uh, all the simulators and coming from uh, a bad experience, yeah. try to avoid for the future crews. You know, Jeez. crash or, or, or things like that. You know, but uh, yeah, man, that was uh, crazy. A, a little story about long, many, many years ago. I was very young, uh, 
Navy officer, man. Very super job, man. Yeah. I didn't have great. I didn't have. I didn't have great hair at that time. <laughs> you know, I I, I, I do have now, but uh. <laughs> good. Come on, Fonzie. I'll tell you what. Let's, let's keep rolling because you have another case too, which is an interesting case because um, first of all, it's a plane crash that you responded to that was in the water, and you know the the front landing gear was not coming down and on impact the the plane broke in half and you guys got launched out on this um there's a lot of lessons learned with this for you specifically as you're doing a search up and down the coast for survivors and or the deceased so buddy give us a rundown about this because this is pretty wild well yeah i was uh that, that accident, that crash, it was a uh, first shield F-27, Fokker F-27, it's turboprop airplane. I know you're familiar with that. I'm pretty sure you're, you are. Uh, they were flying from, coming from the Peruvian jungle. It was charged by the one of the most famous uh, soccer team in Peru. Uh, they were flying back from the Peruvian jungle back to the Naval Air Station. Uh, by the coast, by the shoreline, and they 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 experience a uh, insecure uh, landing gear, okay. And uh, well, anyways, uh, the pilot uh, he have I think too too much experience at nighttime flying, oh. and, uh, and uh, they they have a power problem. They lost, uh, they start losing uh, the power in the airplane. They, uh, the cabin, the passengers <clears throat> get dark because the power problem. Yeah. And uh, no, that, the nose, the landing, uh, the landing gear, they, one of the wheel was totally, uh, I won't say unlocked, but uh, was in amber. Two greens and one amber. So the pilot decided. Which for those that you don't fly out there, uh, two green and one amber, not good. <laughs> not good, exactly. So with the guy, with the guy, the guy, the guy decided to do a flyby in order to get uh, information from the tower control. He, 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 if the tower control guy can see the, the, the nose wheel down, which, uh, which uh, the guy say yes, but still the indication was uh, maybe unlocked and, and because it was a number, you know? So they went to downwind and then uh, man, the, 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 the Everything uh, complicated because uh, they start losing power. The passenger start concerned about what's going on. They're standing up, and it was the whole chaos. They start in the in the ca- passenger cabin. So the pilot made the decision to give the control to the co-pilot, flying BFR instead to request a radar approach control or radar approach advice from the from the you know from the approach control. Yeah. yeah. He decided to do everything visual. And you know what? Ventania, that area, you know, where the naval air station was is located, he said, man, it's pitch black, man. It's pitch black. So, <laughs> so the captain decided to went and talk to, to calm the, the passenger down. When he got back to the cockpit, the co-pilot was already disorientated. Uh, he started losing altitude because they were flying at 800, 700 feet above sea level, man. It's nothing. Wow. You know? Yeah. No, that's, so, and then, especially and then for a fixed wing. Yeah. Twin well, prop, fixed wing? Yeah. He, he was flying, man. Oh, man, he, he, man. You, lose, you lose situation awareness. Man, you lose altitude in one second. You fly yeah. in an airplane, you know, a yeah. turbo pro, two, two engines, F 27, at 800, 700 feet above sea level. Man. Yeah, what are you, you know, thinking? That's, that's not good to be at night. No. So anyways. Even I know guy, that, and I'm not a pilot. <laughs> when when the, guy, the guy went back, went back to the cockpit, man, he saw pretty much the water in front of him. So, oh, man, he grabbed the controls. I got the controls. He said uh, he tried to pull the nose up. It was too late. So the airplane crashed with the belly and cut off half and a half. Boom. Jeez. So the re- yeah, <clears throat> after that the result was uh, pretty much all the passengers uh, died, drowned. Only three survivors in the very beginning. Okay, the okay. captain and two uh, passengers. The two passengers was one of the soccer player, young guy, with a broken leg, and the oh. other guy was a 
Serve officer, lieutenant, Navy lieutenant. So they were waiting for rescue, but you know, at that time, in the, in the meantime, they were waiting for, uh, I don't know, for some reason, uh, they couldn't launch the aircraft until five o'clock in the morning. So the captain put uh, the young guy with the broken leg on top of the wing, part okay. of the wreckage. And the other guy uh, say, man, I can see, I can barely see the shoreline. And uh, I'm in good shape. I can swim. I can, I, I can reach the shoreline. It's not too far. And the, cap- and the, the captain said, man, listen, uh, don't do that. It's better to get together and wait for the rescue team. Right, you know? right. Stay together. Stay as a group. But the guy said, no, I'm concerned about the hypothermia. So I say, you know, uh, no, forget about it. I, I, I'll make it. He never made it. Oh. Never made it. Yeah. Probably he, he, he died halfway from the, to the beach, you know. And the other guy, he was losing, he was bleeding. Bleeding, losing oh, bleeding blood. internally. Yeah, bleeding bad internally. Oh, because geez. a broken leg. So, uh, so just before, uh, before, uh, before sunrise, uh, man, the captain was uh, totally exhausted. Yeah. He couldn't hold the guy on top of the of the wing of the wreckage. Yeah, uh, and by the end, he let it go. Oh. Disappear, and I and I we found it. So, anyways, uh, the seeking show up around five o'clock in the morning. He pick him up. They pick him up, and they start rescuing bodies. Pick him up the flight attendant. He was the first uh, victim, you know, to be picked up, uh, hoisting up. Yeah. And uh, and they start, and then the oper- the rescue operation start. The whole operation start. And then uh, I was flying TA-57, man. I was a TA-57 uh, pilot in command, you know, this rookie guy. Yeah, my, rookie my, guy in my, charge. My, 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 my wings uh, just six months ago. <laughs> and they, they go, well, I was flying TA-57. And TA-57 is, uh, you know, for the audience, is that uh, it's an old Bell 206 Bravo, you know, single engine. Yep. It's for training. It's training purposes. No hoist, nothing. So... Single engine, and uh, man, we can't go too far offshore, you know. So in Peru, uh, the current is very strong. It's coming from south to the north. So uh, running up, so pushing up north on the side uh, of the country. Uh, yeah, uh, very fast. Yeah, very fast. So for example, if you crash the next spot, probably is if you die, are you floating? Yeah, it's gonna take you. Yeah, you're gonna take the body for maybe another uh, fifty kilometers in twenty-four hours. Wow. You know? Oh, that's yeah, a, yeah. that's quick. Yeah. So, anyways, I was uh, my mission was uh, two pilots, uh, multi crew in the two hundred six and the TA fifty seven, in order to one guy flying, the other one is observer flying along the shoreline looking for bodies, uh, maybe on the rocks or whatever, you know. The the geography in the in the in the North Shore, very close to the naval station, or where the Crash location. Yeah, is uh, the shoreline is a cliff. Big cliff. Yes, it's about one thousand twelve hundred feet. Twelve hundred uh, foot. Cliffs. Yes. So Holy yeah, on top of, on top on top of that cliff is a highway. Okay, it's a highway. Uh, that and sounds then, uh, like Northern California and like exactly yeah. exactly that what I was about to say that the Peru geography is pretty much like California. It's arid. It's dry yeah. and yeah. it's uh, kind of like a brown. It's wow. exactly as Northern California. Because I remember exactly. flying in Northern California <laughs> and being on, like, on the road, looking down, and then watching the helicopters fly below us. It was pretty gnarly. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. Wow, that so that's great. But twelve hundred foot cliffs—that's big. Yeah, but uh, okay, we were flying. We were looking for bodies uh, over the rocks, and uh, we found that that team coach. Oh wow! A team coach body was dead on top of one of the rocks. And then uh, I feel something weird in the helicopter. And then uh, uh, we call uh, the Coast Guard boat. He was nearby, give it the coordinates to pick up the body. And this you know, is after that, you, that, felt, that you felt something wrong with the aircraft. I felt something wrong with the aircraft, like, a, like a, you know, I don't know, like a swinging, a little swing, you know? Yeah. Like, what, is, what is that? I never feel that helicopter. So after that, we got back to the naval air base 
and uh, for fuel, we shut down. And guess what? The yeah. main rotor, the main rotor was totally with a fishing line. Fishing around line around. Whole, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Fishing rod uh, around the entire. The, what? The entire main rotor. Holy. Yeah, man. Okay. I do tell. How the? Right. Well, what yeah, the? Well, what happened? Well, what happened is in that area is uh, good fishing, you know, in the yeah. area where we found the, the coach body was good fishing. So some of the fishermen, they, they put lines, fishing lines from top of the cliff all the way to the water, to no the shoreline. Way. I went there for 24 hours, put some nets on the water, you know, uh, put snares or something like that. Uh, yeah. Or uh, uh, they put... Um, uh, you know, just to catch fish, you know, because who yeah. good fishing area actually. And That's uh, there's, good a vital, <laughs> there's a vital lines you're coming down from the along the cliff, you know. Yeah. And it looks like I will catch one of them. You so, caught a uh, fishing line off yeah. the cliff, 1200 yes. foot cliff, yeah, because, wrapped because around fly. the main yes. rotor head. Exactly. And you because we, we, that is yeah, amazing. Yeah, but but you know what? Uh from that spot back to the naval air base was about, I would say, 25 minutes flying. That's it. Not too far. No, it's yeah, not, it's not a long flight. But you know what? When we landed, we shut down, we saw that thing. You know, I, actually, I was flying with my squadron skipper. Yeah. I said, what the hell? You know, this was dangerous, man. You know, I never imagined. Jesus Christ, man. I was uh, totally in shock, you know. So, uh, yeah. You're so, uh, not, like I'm. I'm impressed about two things. Number one, that you're still alive. Number two, the aircraft didn't fall out of the sky from wrapping that up. Like you know, you exactly. always hear stories about the main rotor head getting caught in X, whatever X may be, and it just pulls the aircraft out of the sky. Yeah, guys, exactly. Wow. Positive. Yeah, man. I was. Yeah, man. It's uh, something. Uh, uh, I have in my memory as a, in my career as a Navy pilot, you know, since <laughs> if we're talking about uh, 206, man, you know, 206 small aircraft. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, you're familiar Holy with that. Smoke, it's a, man. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, man. That was what a my career. Pretty much, uh, that was my pretty much my, my experience in, in search and rescue uh in the naval task forces, you know. Yeah. So after th after that, uh, I can tell you the rest of the stories is uh, operating with naval task forces, supporting naval task forces, uh, radar tracking, things like that. Yeah. But uh, nothing unusual. And then until 1992, when I started flying in the Peruvian jungle, supporting troops uh, in the against the shining path and narco traffic. Yeah. But uh, so. And then uh, and, uh, and my next uh, experience, uh, one of my most important experiences uh, in my career was in Saudi Aramco, you know. Yeah, so, over Saudi Aramco flying the 139. Yeah. Kind of where you and I met. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. man. So, the, and this actually happened before you and I met, um, which is another pretty cool story because, you know, like just the, uh, go ahead, man. I, I don't even want to. I don't want to pre. Well, that, in, in that time, you know, in South Morocco, they have a SAR unit. They create a SAR unit uh, with a operate with an MBG and you know, a flight goggles, and, uh, and uh, with the full procedures. And uh, but in that time, what did happen? The yeah, six, yeah. you know. Nothing. And, uh, it was nothing. Uh, it was and something. So, a call comes yeah. in like, oh, we need yeah. a medevac. Yeah. Just yeah, grab whoever yeah, and go. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So pretty much, pretty much, we're flying a BFR night, BFR operation for a ship operation and a hoist operation, uh, landing of the vessel and the tankers, but the, and the standby medical evacuation, you know. And then uh, one night, uh, I got a call from Marine Control. Um, Telling us that one of the gas liquid vessel, which is a small vessel comparison with the tanker, uh, there was a guy, he hit his uh, head, he got an open school, you know, 
open skull so fracture. It, That's yeah, not good. Exactly. Not good, you know. <laughs> yeah. And the guy was uh, located in the stern, in the stern of the ship. Okay. So, yeah, so pretty much, uh, uh, you know, in a very, very bad uh, uh, location to, to get picked up, you know. So anyways, uh, the dispatch in that time, an old guy, an experienced guy, he's already retired. He retired one year before I did, or maybe two years before. He tried to push in us uh, to go and get him. Say, man, I cannot do that until I get green light from my chief pilot. You know, at that time, uh, my fleet captain was acting chief pilot. And I had to know the details about the situation, the distance, vessel uh, location, in order to calculate my, my, my fuel and uh, where was uh, located the patient in which area of the, of the vessel. So too many things to keep in consideration in order to, to make sure the operation is going to be safe or not, you know? Right. So anyways, uh, my fleet captain was uh, uh, acting chief pilot at that time. He told me, okay, Fonsi, you know, you got a green light, but this is the details. It's a high-risk operation. Um, it's a... The location is the Anchorage, which is about 25 minutes uh, flying from the base. Take a look. Uh, it's your call. and Make your decision. Uh, and uh, the war is I support you can You consider it's a high-risk operation, abort it, and come back. In the time, you know, we're flying uh, two hoist operator plus uh, medical stuff. Yeah. Heavy, so load heavy, up like you know? four guys in the back. Yeah, heavy. Yeah. So, so, so finally we made a decision, but that we knew we have no enough fuel to pick up our people and uh, drop the, the medical, move the patient from the stern side to the port side, and uh, no fuel enough. So, so I made my plan with my crew. I briefed my crew to do a back and forth rescue, you know. So we put around 700 uh, kilo fuel, and uh, which uh, allowed me to be uh, maybe uh, 40 minutes or 35 minutes in order to come back and get my, my 45 minute reserve, because uh, it's uh, one of the consideration for knife, knife fly, yeah. for knife fly regulation. So anyway, we took off and uh, man, pitch black, pitch black. There was a windy area, but yeah. unfortunately, it was uh, we couldn't use it because of tailwind. So oh. the only way was uh, approach perpendicular to the port side with crosswind in, in order to, to see to have reference in the, during the hover. Yeah. So we we, we were doing a eighty feet hover with crosswind. It was really 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 tough to be honest to you. No uh, MBG in that time. I had to drop. One of my hoist operator, I have to drop uh, my uh, the medical guy. Yeah, uh, and uh, I and uh, and then calling for a while, and then I had to flew back to the bay for more fuel. In the meantime, I was flying back. They were moving. They were part of the briefing the patient from the stern to the port side. It already okay. pick up. So I think everything was perfect. Everything was perfect because uh, by the time I, I arrived to the vessel again, almost on top of the vessel, I got a call from the Mark, one of my, this guy, hoist operator on board of the vessels. Hey, Captain Fonsi, we're ready, man. Pretty much exactly, man. Thanks God. By the time I got there, they just arrived with the patient, the poor side, be ready to be there. Nice. But you had to go... You have to consider in the vessel, the middle of the night, 80 feet hover, man, with no winch area. You had to be careful for the little corridor, man. We talked yeah, about yeah. two or three, three meters wide. You had to yeah. be very, very uh, performer, very, very uh, good hovering, you know, in yeah. order to, you know, avoid any, any conflict. So anyways, we pick up the guy, which takes a little while. Pick up the guy with a with a leader, you know. Yeah. You have to use a, the leader, right? You know, so so we pick up the guy, and then we pick up the hoist operator, the medical, and then we pick up the the, the, the hoist operator. So uh, 
you can feel that way, man. Even with a, you know, man, they have the concern about the fuel. They have concern too many things during the operation. It was really stress. And uh, finally, uh, with a very strong wind, cross wind. And, uh, but I can tell you, I have an amazing crew, amazing co-pilot, amazing hoist operator. So we made it back to the naval base. We refuel. We had a whole refuel in the west side of the airstrip. Uh, dropped the hoist operator, and we continued our flight to the another base to drop the guy in the Ramenka, which is uh, nearby the one of the main hospitals. The big know. hospitals, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah to, to take you know wow. the ambulance was waiting for us and come back. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. I was one of my hardest rescue operation I got in my life. It's some of the good memory I got. And I feel uh, so proud that everything was great. And uh, I'm, uh, I was so happy and so proud of my crew. You That's know, awesome. I give, it, I give it credit to my my crew, especially to my boat hoist operator. were Filipinos. They were not uh, former used car guys. They were not like that. They were simple, humble guys. They learned hoisting in, in our ankle. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they are good so, at what they do. So it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's awesome, man. So, uh, man, I think it's uh, amazing. This is the most amazing stories I got in my career, you know. Did, did the guy live? Do you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. He That's did. Oh, so you got out there yeah. and did an incredibly hard hoist. Yeah, Save yeah, a guy some, and boom. Some, yeah. Someone came out to me the, two days after. To, to let me know, Captain Fonsi, just to let you know, somebody called from the hospital and also I got called from the uh, Marine Control to let you know that you saved a life. Wow. That's how oh. the guy made it. What a yeah, good feeling. I, I, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't, a, you know, you know, I, you know, because the policy, I don't know if the company policy or, or something like that. It's uh, nobody mentioned about that operation. Except a couple of guys, or say my one of my hoist operator, uh, they try uh, to let the people know about what happened, but wasn't very uh, uh, popular because they tried to keep it maybe low profile. I don't know. Which mm -hmm. is I know agree with that because you know uh, I'm I'm the guy to be agreed to provide all this experience to the future crews or the young crews as a feedback because it's very important to publicate uh, to make uh, know to the rest of the people about what's going on because it's it's a feedback yeah you know yeah so especially for the is situation like that uh, happens again you know so right. oh man this guy did this thing this guy recommended thing because you know Always we learn from the for experience for the previous guys. You know, we learn all the procedures are made for the previous crashes, previous situations that with the old procedure were created, right? So I think uh, I think uh, this room that you're doing with doing you and me now is uh, it's an amazing because it's uh, provide feedback to many crews. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, and uh, very much so. And, uh, yeah, we learn what we're supposed to do or what we're not supposed to do, you know? Right. And, yeah, uh, I, all the time. That's why I love yeah. these stories. Like, you you end up hearing stuff that you're like, oh, oh, I didn't I didn't really think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, man. So, awesome. yeah, that, that it's it pretty much uh, I'm done in an offshore operation. Well, uh, the rest is only normal operation, like a ship operation, uh, you know, as uh, we have uh, another experience with uh, one of the Saudi guys, Saudi captains, in a, and yeah, I, I forgot to, I, I forgot to tell you thing, kind of like a kind, like uh, my first experience in the navy. Yeah. But in our in our, in Aranco before MBG MBG time in Aranco. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, what was what, what, my co-pilot was a Saudi captain working in Tanaji, and. Uh, he was my co-pilot. I was in the close to Rasanura. Same thing, a small vessel, you know, <clears throat> 9 o'clock p.m. We went out. 
we hold it for a long time. But this time, <laughs> hey, but, 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 but this time we use the auto hover. Yeah, the auto hover. Because, God bless the auto hover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know why? Because what's different situation, you know? In the very beginning, we got the information from marine control that the little vessel was drowned, was sinking, sinking, oh. sinking, sinking. And then by the end, you know, after 45 minutes or 40 minutes hovering, something like that, because we got the, the auto hover. My, my co-pilot was on uh, the left side. I can't remember his name, but you know him. Uh, the guy is from, from uh, it's a guy come from uh, Juvel. It's a young okay. guy from Juvel. Okay. Uh, by the end, guess what? Yeah. The vessel, the vessel wasn't sinking. Was a, <laughs> was a captain, that wasn't, you know what? That was vessel mis captain mistake. That guy got stuck in the sandbar. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty shallow. They were coming back to the marine uh, harbor or whatever. Uh, he oh, got man. stuck in the sun, man. And <laughs> you know, you know, Saudi, Saudi water are very, pretty shallow. Yeah. So that was exactly what happened, man. I, you know, my couple and I would start playing up. Laughing and then saying, "Wait, man, we, we've been here for a long time, hoarding, and you know." And all you is stuck on a sandbar. Yeah, and they they, <laughs> and they call they call they call another crew from Tanaji. They were flying in our direction to support us. Yeah. So we, the, the the whole plan was to replace us, you know, to replace us in the spot in order to come back and get fuel or take a race or whatever. Yeah, but we, we were thinking it was something worse. And uh, I remember one of the, the guys uh, flying uh, coming from Tani was uh, Buck Randolph. Buck, Buck was uh, flying with, I can't remember, with uh, an co pilot. Uh, we were in touch in the radio. Oh, yeah, we're not. And they said, but listen, man, uh, we talk already about control. We, 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 we know that we don't need you anymore. One, one, yeah. one vessel is already <laughs> a couple of miles away for this uh, vessel stuck in the sunbar. And they, by the end, they, 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 they sent them back. Oh, Tanya, that's funny. You know? That was funny, man. Uh, uh, I love, I I'm love these stories because it's like, you never know what you're going to get. This is one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh. man. So I am pretty much it, uh, uh, Queenie. That's this good. Is pretty much it. So. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I, let's do, let's leave it at this, man. Any advice that you would tell you, you've been flying for years and you've been, Peru, uh, Saudi Arabia, like all your different experiences, what, what would you pass on to the, the younger generations and newer pilots and guys that are still on the field? Okay. Uh, number one is safety. Yes. Uh, make sure it's going to be a safe operation. Don't compromise your aircraft or your crew. You cannot do it. Uh, don't feel, uh, don't subestimate yourself. Don't feel like a superpower guy because I noticed in my, my career, uh, pilots talk too much about experience and uh, this is no good symptom, you know. Uh, what I think is the, say, the safest pilot, the, the best pilot in the war, I, I got this thing I picked up from my, one of my instructors in the Navy, is the pilot to be ready to fly the next morning. This is the best pilot in the war. So we should learn from uh, experience, which will learn uh, for the former guys' experience, which will which will learn a lot from them, and uh, and uh, you know just uh, safety, man. Safety. First thing. Safety, safety, safety. safety. That's it, man. That's it. That's it. You know, uh, it's something I can say, and. Uh, <clears throat> That's it, man. It's my 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 best recommendation. I try, you know, I, I I advise the pilot to to check always all websites about the former experience, yeah. uh, some uh, operations, uh, some operation from the used coast guard because they have yep. a lot of stories, you know. Uh, I'm uh, I can't mention them, man. I'm retired pilot. I'm not flying anymore. But I still watch it maybe twice or three times a week uh, in YouTube, uh, airline crashes, and uh, what 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 was the result of an investigation post yeah. crash, you know? Yeah. And uh, you you know pilots always learning, you never stop learning, and uh, 
And then uh, you will notice because when you keep watching this kind of uh, situation, and uh, before before the accident happened, you yeah. will know, you will catch it. What's going to happen? You know, don't make this decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, uh, so safety first, uh, whatever is going to happen in your fly, checklist. Go to your checklist, man. Nice. Go to the checklist. Checklist, checklist. Don't think about it. Don't think, oh, man, I believe this thing. I believe that. I think it's much better. No, 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 no. Checklist. Yeah, you know. Go back. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry about my my bad words, but oh, I you, see, I, I see you. stupid, <laughs> I see stupid, stupid things, stupid things about uh, uh, bad decisions yeah. before before going to the checklist. You know, doesn't matter how much flight time you got it. Awesome. People crash. People cry with over 20,000 hours uh, flight time experience. You know, right. people right. die. Re remember that the, 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 the accident is the result of one, a bunch of links together to create the change to conduce us to the accidents. Right. What we have to do is cut it off. Break the chain. One of the, uh, yeah. Exactly, and break, and break that change yeah. to avoid. Yeah. And the, the best thing to do that is Safety first, you know, safety first, and don't ever be pushed, you know, don't ever be pushed. Some of the accidents I watch in YouTube is because company has uh, financial problems and pilot has to be, oh no, man, I feel a, a, a company lover, you know, I have to protect my company. No, yeah. no, 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 it's not the, the right way to do it. Right. Safety, man. Safety first. I like you know? it. No, it's not about reputation. No, nope. it's about safety. Reputation is, it doesn't work That's in right. aviation. That's why I learned in my fifty thousand hours uh, flight 50, time uh, career. Hours. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Hey, what take off. What is it? Wait, hey, what are you expecting from me? I'm sixty-one. Right. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I expect a lot. Come on, there, fun. <laughs> oh, I'm sixty-one awesome. years old, man. <laughs> you know, but. Uh, Anyways, I'm thanks, you know, thanks God that, you know, some situation is, uh, even when you follow the checklist, I can tell you some situation I got in my career, God was, God was with me. I can tell you, Amen. God protect me. And I have uh, good crews pretty much all the time, you know, and, uh, and uh, I'm enjoying the fly MBGs and have a cruise, including yeah. you, you, hey. you, you, and I'm, uh, I can tell you, I, uh, uh, I learned a lot of you, man. And, uh, nice. uh, uh, you know, thank you to share your experience as a crew with me and I uh, really enjoyed and I, I felt very safe during the run cooperation night time to have you in my, in, on board. Uh, thanks, Lonzi. Uh, Man, I love flying with you, brother. Hey, we had a blast together. Uh, a lot of, you know, and you and I have talked about this many times offline. It's just, you know, our communication was really well. Um, and it's, it's nice to know, like from a guy in the back, that I can trust my pilot up front. And, and I hope that I could always return the favor and you can trust me in the back. And, you know, when you have that, when you have that good crew compatibility, it's, it makes for a pretty relatively easy operation. So. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. What you say is exactly true, man. No. Yep. So Fonzie brother, man, thank you so much for coming on and sharing these stories all the way from Peru while you're sitting in your place in Florida. Oh yeah. <laughs> I Queenie, uh, Queenie, yes, uh, one last word uh, uh, for you, uh, to you is uh, I want to congratulate you. Uh, Thank you. What are you doing right now? Uh, I, I am uh, uh, I'm already, the, the video uh, with you, I have one video with you operating. Uh, it's, already, it's already with the Korean Navy. <laughs> they will love. They will love to share information with you. They're expecting that, so, so soon we will do that. But uh, I really appreciate what you're doing this because uh, it's good for future generations and uh, and uh, it's a good feedback, you know, to create uh, the most important thing for future generations, uh, especially in offshore operations, search and rescue, because. Uh, 
it's really, really important what you're doing right now. And well, I appreciate you. your job, man. Oh, I appreciate it very much, my friends. That's awesome. Thank you. And and to know that the video that you and I have is in the Peruvian Navy, that's a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm psyched, man. I'm I'm glad we had a good operation. So that was awesome. Buddy, I'll uh I'll catch up with you soon and, and you and I'll be surfing together before we know it. Come on. I know, I know. Please be safe, okay? Be safe. Yes, sir. Uh, awesome. Looking forward, looking, lo looking forward to see you face to face. That's okay? what I'm talking about. <laughs> Hopefully in the water. Let's go. Hopefully in the water, man. Awesome. Take, take care, man. I'll be safe, brother. Yeah, be safe, you, okay? You too, brother. Thank you. Thank we, you for the invitation. Okay. Anytime. And, <laughs> and with that, we are out of here. Go. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com that's jason at t-h-e-r-e-a-l-r-e-s-q.com you can also check us out on our web pages therealrescue.com our facebook page and our instagram page at therealrescue again a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today always remember when that star alarm goes off those in distress are praying for a miracle they are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>